0: It's more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. And if you're local, you will dial 702-650-5588 to join in on our discussion today. If you have a praise report, a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you. Again, the local number is 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. That would be 800-366-8883. I say again, if you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we have a toll-free number for you, 800-366-8883. We are being streamed live, audio, and video from KKVV's website which is www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just waved to you. Again we're being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs website and our website address is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed part 1 of what we did last week then you definitely want to go to the website and listen to it and get blessed. All our... Archive, broadcast are free. The gospel is free, so we don't see the reason to charge you. The gospel, again, is always free on our watch. Our website, again, is www.savethelostlv.org to select what you like to listen to, be led by the Spirit, and get blessed. We're also being archived on iTunes, so you can find us on iTunes, and you can get blessed as well. And again, the gospel is free on our watch. So we'd like to bring brother timothy cunningham back on for part two and part two is truth and love does doctrine divide good afternoon and how are you man of god
1: I'm doing good. How are you, Nina?
0: I am wonderful. So we want to get right to it, and we are going to pick up where you left off, and we are going to get into the lack of study from the pulpit. But, Brother Tim, if you will bless us just with the first paragraph of your paper, so if we are having new listeners or those are just joining us, then I'd like them to, you know, have an understanding of what we're going into. So would you read the first paragraph from your paper of Truth and Love, Does Doctrine Divide? And that's our topic for today, please.
1: Yes, there is a growing belief in many churches that doctrine or an emphasis on theological clarity is somehow divisive and hurts the church in its growth and development. Many have now replaced doctrinal clarity and conviction in the name of unity and love. Those that subscribe to this claim argue that all we need to do is name the name of Christ and we are good. In other words, since all we love is Jesus and we want to follow him, then that is all we need, or then what is the need, actually, for doctrine and theology? As long as our hearts are sincere, isn't that all that really matters?
0: righty. Thank you, Man of God. Now, you've given some supporting points. So can you tell us about the supporting points, how you arrived to this, and then I'd like you to get into reading them so that our listening audience can have a, a greater understanding, please, Man of God?
1: Yes, I think um, there's several reasons why the modern church and some pastors in the modern church are getting away from teaching doctrine and theology. I think some of them um, is just a lack of study on their part, um, a lack of commitment to the Scriptures. Um, They're worried about membership. Um, They lack submission to the Scriptures. And some pastors just are not concerned for their flock in feeding them the true Word of God.
0: Amen. So now that you spelled that out... You're going to have to support it. So let's go back to lack of study from the pulpit. So can you get into your paper, and we'll just go down to all those that you named, please.
1: Yes, all right. So lack of study from the pulpit. Pastors who are unwilling to put in the time to study the Bible deep enough to know theology. The reason why some pastors try to downplay doctrine is because they don't know it well enough to preach it and teach it. They have not dug into the deep study of the Bible and therefore try to avoid it to keep themselves from being exposed as a pastor who is not well-versed in the Bible. In other words, a biology teacher will not engage in a deep discussion about trigonometry. Why? Because they don't know the subject. People tend to talk about what they know and stay away from topics they know nothing about. I believe pastors don't want to teach theology and doctrine because they know little about it. Just because a man stands in the pulpit does not mean he is a student of Scripture. Many do not have the unparalleled discipline that leads to hours upon hours of study and meditation to rightly divide the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. This means to cut it straight with precision and exactness so they will not be ashamed, 2 Timothy 2.15.
0: All right. Well, you know, some people, Brother Tim think that pastoring is a part-time job. They don't look at it as a calling. They don't look at it as service. So, you know, like I put in 10, 20 hours, that that should be enough. And mainly that's appearances. But with an appearance, you know, your walk has to match your talk. There has to be evidence Of what it is that God has called you to do, if God called you to do it at all. See, the thing is that that, that's something very, very real, because some have the appearance of godliness. But we're going to go on, and you have lack of commitment to the scriptures. So could you give us your supporting...
1: Yeah, could I just add one more thing to what you were saying there? Of course. Yeah, um, lack of study from the pulpit, Nina, also goes to the fact that if you go back to Timothy and Titus, when Paul lays out the qualifications for a pastor, sure, the the only skill that he gives is they have to be able to teach. Everything else has to do with their character. So it is essential that a pastor is a student of the Bible. Yes, And if if they are not, then they are not fulfilling the mandate that Paul has given. Again, I'm going to say it again so everyone can hear that clearly. The only skill that is given in Timothy and Titus for the qualification of a pastor is that they are able to teach. Everything else has to do with their character and their morality. So, again, lack of study from the pulpit is to dishonor the pulpit.
0: And to go against Um,
1: God's command, correct? Exactly, and to go against the mandate that pastors have been given. Now, lack of commitment to the scriptures, another reason there is a slow progression away from sound doctrine and theology is due to pastors that are not truly committed to what the Bible says. These are those who read the Bible and talk about the Bible but aren't committed to the whole counsel of God, as Paul said in Acts twenty twenty seven. Can can I and stop you
0: right there? Could you just read that sentence one more time, please?
1: Yes. Those, these are those who read the Bible, and talk about the Bible, but are not committed to the whole counsel of God, as Paul said in Acts twenty twenty seven.
0: And when you and say I'm, the whole counsel of God in in your words, what would that mean?
1: Genesis to Revelation.
0: Thank you, sir. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the Holy Spirit is unctioning me to make sure we make that point and that it's clear. Thank you for letting me interrupt, sir.
1: No, you're fine. In other words, for for some pastors, the Bible is a buffet, and they pick and choose what to teach and preach, much like a person does at a restaurant buffet when they put some things on their plates while leaving other things off. I feel a
0: double edged sword. It's a lot of fire and a lot of correction coming out of what
1: you're talking about. It's powerful. Uh, another uh reason why we see the slow progression downward of doctrinal preaching and teaching is because many pastors are concerned of lack of members. In other words, they're afraid of losing their membership. So pastors who believe that if they preach doctrine and theological clarity, They think they'll lose their members. This is because they have believed the modern church growth movement that says if they teach doctrine and theology that people will become bored and leave. It has become all about filling the seats and growing the membership. Instead of being faithful and committed teachers of the word, they now see themselves as entertainers or storytellers or marketers who use the Bible like an actor uses a prop on stage. They mention it here and there in their sermons in a shallow lack of substance way, but they have no depth because they're afraid of offending the sinner.
0: Wow. And the thing is, is that how can they get convicted man of God, if they're not hearing the word of God as it was intended to be heard? Because I do believe the scripture says For them who have ears, let them hear.
1: And I think Nina, even even you're right about that. I think this even goes deeper. Um, Pastors that have this belief have lost sight of of who builds the church. Christ said, "I will build my church, Mm -hmm. not a pastor." So in other words, when we go to Acts, the Bible says that the Lord was adding continually those who were being saved. Yes. It was the Holy Spirit through the preaching of Peter and John that was growing the church. When you go to 1 Corinthians and Paul says, I planted and Apollos increased. I mean, watered, Mm -hmm. but God gives the increase. So pastors that are worrying about membership, And and to fill the seats, they water down their preaching, have it all backwards. God has promised you that if you stay true to what I've said in my word and preach it clearly and unapologetically, that I will take care of your church. And it's not about having 8,000 members. If you have 20, and that is the, the, the flock that God has called you to shepherd, then you need to be faithful in teaching those 20. It's not about filling seats.
0: I think you talked about last week how Paul was at his post for two years in a rented home, and he taught out of his home.
1: Exactly at the end of in Acts twenty-eight, the very last two or three verses of the book, here's Paul who who is a mission is a missionary to the Gentiles and has stood up in the synagogue and reasoned with the Pharisees and all the the. Uh, the high government officials, Festus and Agrippa and Felix, and he's this masterful preacher. He wrote Romans and, he, and and all of these wonderful books in the New Testament. And where do we see him in the end of Acts? He's in a house preaching the kingdom, the Bible says, to anyone who wanted to listen. So it, for him, it never was about uh filling seats. He was in his house preaching. Um. So I think another reason, Nina, that we see this is just there's so many pastors who are worried about uh, filling the seats. And so they feel that the best way to do it is to not teach the Bible for all that it is, but instead to leave things out and basically give them a message that's going to tickle their ears that Paul warned us about in the book of Timothy.
0: Well, also, um, you know,
1: Brother Tim... i think I was was maybe in Ephesians. Go ahead.
0: um, We have to understand these... uh... People of this mindset are building big edifices that honor themselves. They don't honor God. And when you build those big edifices, uh, somebody's got to pay for it. Exactly. Because right. uh, the churches in the first century, and from what I can read and from what I've studied, they were very humble. Yes. They didn't have anything to do with this big you know, uh, show, as you talked about, entertainment. That's what that wasn't what it was about, and it never was yeah. about that. That's not uh what jesus uh was proclaiming. He wanted uh, widows to be taken care of, he wanted orphans to be taken care of, anybody who was low in spirit, you know the sick, um, whether they were mentally sick or physically sick, uh, mm-hmm. those who needed forgiveness. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinner to call them to repentance. So what does that mean? It means that there were people who were in need of salvation, and they were in need of him. They were in need of the word of God because it's transforming.
1: Yes, and back to what I said earlier about, you know, so many pastors now look at themselves as marketers or entertainers. Well, I'm going to make a point here, and I hope I make it very clearly. If you have committed hours upon hours in study and preparation for your sermons, you don't have time to tell stories. You don't have time to be funny and clever and witty. You know why? Because you've got so much information you want to give your flock, you don't have time to waste being cute telling stories. If you ever, here's what I'm saying. They're entertainers and storytellers, Nina, because they don't have anything else to fill the time with.
0: But when you submit to God, you're committed to do what he tells you to preach or right. to teach. You're not in opposition of the Holy Spirit. You know, these are God's people. They're not our people. Would we agree? So God yeah. knows what they need to hear at the particular time. And he has his vessels, you know, his ministers, uh, those that are his servants, to do what he tells them to do. I mean, a lot of times, you know, we want to do what we want to do. But if we're truly submissive to the Holy Spirit, we like, uh, and I've heard them. Hey, I wanted to do this, but this is what the Holy Spirit gave me. And this is what I must do. Because at the end of the day, uh, these men and women uh, have to give uh, an account to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, you know, there are sins for omission and there are sins for commission. Now, we have a couple of callers, so we're going to get to them. And then uh, I'd like you to continue. Okay? Okay. All right. Thank you for holding. You're on save the loss at all costs. And caller, I see you. We'll get to you.
2: Minister Nina.
0: Pastor Terry, how are you, man of God?
2: Uh, I'm doing great.
0: Well, wonderful. It's good to hear you. I'm mucking
2: around. You know, uh, this, this topic is definitely needed.
0: This is my pastor, Tim.
2: Now, how many people will receive it? Only pray. That's all we can do. Uh But Tim, you hit the nail on the head, and I'm in a situation right now where I see exactly what you're talking about, and this is not something you came up with. This is something that Paul dealt with. He dealt with, this in all of those churches in Asia Minor at some point or another. And it is heartbreaking when you see that it's not only because there's a lack of knowledge, a lack of commitment to study, to research, to meditate and all of that, but sometimes it's because of control rather than have a vibrant, Ministry. Because some of these churches have seminary trained individuals. I know because I'm one of them. And I see weak preaching and hear weak preaching all the time. And the thing is, is that it it don't have to be that way. There could be uh, different programs launched. There could be different ministries that are launched that go forth uh, to assist and serve the community because that's what's going to bring people in but once you get people in you got to have something that's going to cater to their need you got individuals struggling with all different types of things you got to have people that are qualified and when you have a church where you got individuals sitting in there that's been trained in certain areas whether it's psychology and i'm not a big fan of psychology but it is useful uh... i believe the best psychology comes right out of scripture But the deal is, is when you have individuals sitting in your congregation, but they're not willing to do anything because of what they witness from week to week, it's a sad indictment on, you know, the leadership and and the approach that they take at, at doing ministry. It's time out and it's way past time for doing church. It's time for people to do ministry. I'm going to shut up and let you guys continue because you're on the right track. Great topic. Great show.
0: Thank you, man of God.
1: We love you. I I, I would just Thank you. Pastor Terry. I would just respond to what he said by just saying, Hosea said it best when he said, like people, like priests. Say
0: say that again, man of God, please.
1: Hosea said, like people, like priests. So, The church is going to reflect their shepherd. The flock is going to reflect the shepherd. If the shepherd, and I alluded to this last week, Nina, when we talked, I said pastors that spend hours and hours each week preparing sermons, getting into the deep study of God and doctrine and theology, and it shows in their preaching, those are churches that have members that want the Bible just like that. So when they hear that kind of preaching, they're going to want to say, wow, that was an amazing sermon. I learned something. Something convicted me. I saw the Bible in a way I never saw it before. How can I get that? And they realize they get it, that they can get it the same way their pastor got it by going home and doing their own study and meditating day after day on the scriptures. So again, it's like people like priests, pastors that model that for their congregation are going to have membership that loves the Word of God. If you get up every week and your pastor does a lot of Bible talking and no Bible teaching, then that's exactly what the membership is going to leave with, and that's going to be their attitude toward the Bible—one of one of irrelevant and uh, not—it's like it's not important.
0: Well, the thing is also is that pastor will make himself available for Bible study and he will have different programs to increase your study. So that's the beautiful thing. You know, I, I can say this sitting under Pastor Terry for over nine years that he taught every Bible study and not only did he teach it. Uh Whatever question you had, he would get to it. And we didn't have a set time. Bobby start, Bible study had to start at a certain time, but it didn't have to end at a certain time. You understand what I'm saying to you? So yep, it, it, it went for as long as it was needed because he wanted his people not to be confused because he took what he was doing seriously. And, you know, we always had to take notes. I mean, what were you coming for? So, you know, he put us in a mode to write, write down your questions, write down there. He broke things down, and we have another caller. Hold on. Hello, you're on Save the Lost at All Costs, and God bless you.
3: Oh, thank you, Nina. Uh, Pastor Terry, you know, I really respect you all because you all study the Bible more than I do, and uh, every day, and you teach. And how uh, are you, Brother Tom? Oh, I'm all right. Uh, there's three. I'd like to say something. Uh, there were accusers of, of Yeshua as being a Satan because they didn't understand his powers, his powers of healing and uh, amongst other powers. Uh, you, can, you can go to John uh, 8, chapter 8, between 40, verses 40 and 50. You can go to Matthew, uh, chapter 8, 20, verse 26. In verse 34, you can go to Luke, uh, chapter 11, 14, verses 14 through 19, where Jesus was being accused of being the devil because he had powers that could heal. And he was teaching his disciples how to heal and how to use this energy, this universal energy that gave him the power and the energy to to resurrect. And he left the, the, the Shroud of Turin, is physical proof that Yeshua resurrected and, uh, through the power of light, which, which our scientists cannot even understand because, because, uh, there's lobbyist groups. There, there, you know, you, we've got the American Medical Association and, and, and these big lobby groups like these insurance companies now and the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry. They do not want the true power of the Lord to come to the earth and to, so that we can have the power to heal the way Jesus healed, the way he taught his disciples to heal. And this is what we need to do, is get back to the original roots of, like you said, the first century church. The Essene community, led by John the Baptist, they were the healers, they were the theracute. And uh, they left us the Dead Sea Scrolls, and, and now other, other artifacts which are being destroyed all over the Middle East. Records of our first-century church. So the, these these are not. Uh, uh, what I'm trying to say is the true Zionists was the school of the prophets. If you if you'll read the Bible and study who they were, the school of the prophets were the Zionists, not these Rothschild banksters. And this is my message today to all the churches. Thank you. Well, I
0: appreciate that. God bless you. But the thing is, I want you to understand one thing, Brother Tom. Uh, those that opposed Jesus did not believe in his divinity. He was God wrapped in flesh, and they did not want to adhere to that because they yeah. believed, uh, Moses was, uh, something as a compared to a Christ they didn't recognize him as what he was called to do and so we we still have that going on today and yes there are some artifacts out there and you know there are things that are being destroyed but make no mistake the word of God from Genesis to Revelation it has all been revealed he is coming back And he is coming back for his church. So those are the believers. That's who he's coming back from. Don't get distracted about what's going on today because he knows all. He sees all. And if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. We need to make sure that we're in right relationship and that we are following the scriptures. So let the world do what it's going to do. Stay focused. Stay on task. Keep studying your scripture. And you will get closer to God, and you're going to get your just reward. You know I love you. I appreciate all your support. And uh, what you said uh, is very timely, but by no means be distracted. Stay on your post, Tom.
3: Okay, yeah, stay with the faith. Have faith.
0: All right. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye. All right, Brother Tim, we got some passionate callers. Amen?
1: Amen. Amen. Uh... The next uh, point that I had, um, you know, we had covered um, lack of study of the pulpit, lack of commitment to the Scriptures, and worried about membership. Another one, I believe, is uh, the lack of submission to the Scriptures. So it's one thing to be committed. It's another thing to be submitted. And so what I have, what I wrote is that pastors who are unwilling to submit to the authority of Scripture, just because a pastor stands in the pulpit does not mean— They submit to what the Bible teaches. It is very common for pastors to play Christian gymnastics and jump around issues. They rarely, if ever, give a biblical answer on issues. They would rather talk about love and grace instead of speaking the truth in love. The reason they don't want to preach sound doctrine and theology is because they don't submit or align themselves under what the Bible says.
0: A lot of them say, Brother Tim, uh, I don't want to teach uh, or preach fire and brimstone. Are you kidding me right now? What do you think is going to happen to the unbeliever? What do you think is going to happen to the lukewarm Christian? You know, all you got to do is go to book of Revelation. It, it makes it very, very clear. You know, our, our Lord and Savior Jesus says he has no use for a lukewarm Christian. They're worse than an unbeliever. And that he spits them out of his mouth. They're like vomit. So that's not the position you want to be as a lukewarm Christian because that has no place in the kingdom. And then an well, unbeliever, uh, we already know, uh, what's going to happen. You see, the thing is, is that they deny the existence of God. However, they want everything from God and no man created anything. No man create anything. How can you claim that you are more elevated than the creator? That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's heresy. And that will lead you to a fiery grave that will never end. So why would you want to not prepare your people? I'm listening to you, brother, Tim.
1: No, I agree. I agree 100%. Um And then the last reason that I gave, um, for pastors and churches uh, going away from teaching doctrine and theology is because they are more concerned with entertaining unbelievers and making them feel comfortable than they are for feeding and shepherding the flock of God that is among them, First Peter chapter 4 or chapter 5. Mm-hmm. They have bought the lie that the church's job is to attract unbelievers. This is not true. The church is the gathering of the saints, the called out one is the gathering of true believers to worship God in spirit and in truth. Nowhere in the Bible is the church commanded to entertain or make unbelievers comfortable and happy. While unbelievers are welcome to church, and obviously they need to be at church, it is not the church's mandate to water down the message for them. Some pastors are now moving away from teaching doctrine and theology because they believe the last thing that an unbeliever wants to hear is doctrine and theology, and they're absolutely correct. However, that is exactly what the church needs, and that is exactly what the redeemed needs. It is exactly what the saints need. Now, some will say, well, what about evangelism and reaching the lost? Well, the church gathers for worship and fellowship and hearing and t- the teaching and preaching of the Bible, it scatters to evangelize. The church is not designed by God to be an evangelistic tool, it is to build up and edify believers the saints, the called-out ones. If an unbeliever comes to church, hears the gospel, accepts Christ, praise the Lord, give God the glory. But the design of the church remains the same, and that is the assembly of the saints, those who have been called out by God to um, teach and lead his word to the community. So I think that's another reason why uh, Cousin Nina is just—there's just a lack of concern for the flock, and then that then leads them to catering more to unbelievers and feeding those that they're supposed to be feeding.
0: Right, I would agree with you. But all we have to look at is the first century church for the true model of the church. Exactly, that's it. So the thing is, it's not something esoteric. It's something that's very available to you. It's not where we have to debate that. I mean, if you look at the disciples, you know, the ones that became the apostles, what did they do? They made sure that those that were at their post, that they were built up and that they were fortified. Matter of fact, they said, if you hear another doctrine, it's heretic. I don't care if it comes from angels. If it's not what Christ preached, if it's not what Christ taught, it's heretic. Yes. And don't be afraid of those have that have been uh, doing this a little bit longer than you. You know, whether it was their age, whether it was their experience, don't be afraid. Be bold. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, we didn't give you the spirit of timidity. You know what I mean? You're not to be timid. You're supposed to be bold. Matter of fact, stir up the gift. He says that I knew it was in your grandmother and I knew it was in your mother. And I'm persuaded it is in you as well.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So, I mean, you know, this is what this is about. And uh, they went before any and in, in, in everybody, and especially the leadership, whether it was Roman or whether it was, uh, you know, those who were in the synagogue teaching, you know, the the ones that were uh, the high priest, if you will. Yes. And Jesus' brother <laughs> set a lot of things straight.
1: Yes, I, I totally agree with that. Um, Could we uh, open up some scriptures a little bit here?
0: Of course, definitely would like to do that. Now, um, there's one thing I'd like you to go over. You said overemphasis on feelings and emotions. I think you need to hit on that, please, and then we'll definitely get to the scripture. Would you do that one for us?
1: Yes. Um, While many pastors are going away from teaching sound doctrine and theology, they are moving full steam ahead with a style of preaching that makes the Christian walk all about emotions and feelings. You'll hear things like, quote, knowing God and, quote, unquote, experiencing God and seeking God, enjoying God. And all of these are based in feelings and emotions. Living the Christian life based on your feelings and emotions is dangerous because they change all the time and have no roots or anchors. This is why so many people make a false profession of faith because they make it based on a warm feeling inside or some kind of emotional experience when in fact the profession of faith was never real in the first place because it wasn't based on the truth of Scripture, but on an emotional response. These are the ones that Jesus described in Matthew thirteen twenty, who hear the word and immediately receive it with joy, but has no root in himself. When persecutions and afflictions come because of the word, he falls away. Jesus warned about making emotional responses that have no root. We will be wise to listen to his warnings. And also, Satan can easily deceive our emotions and feelings. If a person wants to know God, experience God, see God, and enjoy God, all of that can be done through the Bible and the teaching of doctrine and theology. The life of a believer will have emotions because emotions come with being a human being. However, emotions should never be the driving force of our faith or the basis of our faith. The basis of our faith is divine truth, whether we are emotional about it or not,
0: right? Because a lot of people like that sports-like atmosphere. You know, when you go to a game, and I know you coach uh, young women in basketball, and it it is <laughs> really emotional. I mean, it's high energy. You know, you want you know your team to win. And, you know, people get to cheering and what have you. And when the team doesn't win or there's bad calls, uh, there's a lot of emotion in the room. You know, you can feel it. It's not something that, you know, doesn't exist. And you're not always going to win games. But that's not a reason not to play. And that's not a reason not to train. And we have to understand there's adversity in life. And if you're really committed to something, you're not committed to the outcome. You're committed because you've made a stance in your life. So the thing is about us as believers, we should be committed because of who Christ is. And none of us uh, want to be crucified. There's nobody, I believe, that would go through what he went through, Brother Tim, if we're truly honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So he, he did the work for us. And all he says is that, you know, I want you to have life more abundantly. I want you to live with me. But there are some things that you have to do. Now I've done this. Now, you know, where's your commitment? Yes. So we're going to get into some scripture and you're asking some questions right now. And the first question I see here, does speaking doctrinal truth and theological truth divide? And you said that we should go to uh, Ephesians 4 and look at verses 15 through 17. So, Ephesians 4 verses 15 through 17. Now, uh, do you have it ready?
1: Uh, I believe that, is that Philippians 4?
0: No, I got Ephesians 4, 15 through 17. But did you? Well, oh, yes.
1: Yeah, well, we can go there. We can, we can hit that one first.
0: Okay, but, uh, we can go to Philippians too. Not a okay. problem. So we're at Ephesians 4, verses 15 through 17. And what is your translation?
1: Uh, New American Standard.
0: Okay. So would you bless us with a reading of the word, please?
1: Yes. <clears throat> well, going back to 14, um, just to kind of get the context, Paul said, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by crappiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint applies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love.
0: Okay,
1: then verse 17. Yes. so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds.
0: And the Gentile here in this context means unbeliever. Would that be correct? Yes. Okay.
1: Now so you just want... A couple of, Go yeah, ahead. Just a couple, of, just a couple points I just wanted to make there. Um, first of all, the, the, the passage clearly said, tells us that speaking the truth in love allows for growth and maturity not only for you, but also for the whole church body. You'll notice it says, speaking the truth in love, and then it says, we're going to grow up. So doctrinal truth, theological truth, grows up the church. It makes them mature. Um, the church body grows in love when the truth is preached. So speaking the truth in love also keeps us from having a futile or an empty mind. Um, so not only does it build the church, it matures the church, um, it keeps us from false error and false doctrine, mm-hmm. but it also takes your mind, your futile mind is an empty mind. So it takes an empty mind that's darkened and has its understanding darkened, and it fills it with the knowledge of the truth. So doctrine is is clear, because in verse 14, Paul says, I don't want you to be carried away by all types of false doctrine. Well, what is the opposite of false doctrine? It has to be true doctrine. That's what he's talking about when he says truth in love. So for for pastors to go around and downplay doctrine and theology is just to go totally against the scriptures. But verse 17
0: Um, says it all. It says, this I say, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Verse 17, it says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Are you kidding me right now? What more do you need? I'm on fire. I mean, I'm sitting down, but I'm telling you, I'm leaping in my spirit.
1: Yes. And then if you go down to verse 20, um, Paul says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus. Amen. So he so he bookends it. He starts off by saying, Don't be tossed with every wind of doctrine, mm-hmm. and then he puts on the other side of that, but you need to what you didn't learn Christ like that. Well, how do you how do we all learn Christ through the Bible? Well, what is right. the Bible full of? Doctrine and theology. Yes. So it's it's just faulty teaching. And then another one, too, I wanted to bring your to talk about was Philippians 4.15. I just love this right. this passage. Um, it says, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge, in all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Now, this verse right here just crushes, pastors who want to get rid of doctrine and theology. Here's why. Mm -hmm. Paul tells us that love abounds when and where there is knowledge and discernment. Truth does not divide, it unites. It only divides those that are not committed to it. When you have knowledge and discernment, you can approve things that are excellent in the sight of God. There's nothing divisive about affirming the things that God affirms. So, I just love how he says,
3: abounding
1: love comes from knowledge. Knowledge of who? Knowledge of Christ. Well,
0: Christ told us he's the truth, right?
1: That's right. And discernment, being able to distinguish between truth and lies. That's why he said in Ephesians, watch out for faulty doctrine. So, Mm -hmm. again... People that want to say, well, we don't want to preach doctrine because doctrine is divisive. It's unloving. No, it isn't. Paul says it's exactly what your love is based on. It's based in the truth. It's based in that. It has to have that. And he says he's praying that it happens. Not only is he making the statement, he's saying, I pray that your love overflows, abounds more and more in knowledge. Paul didn't put a premium on Bible ignorance. No, he wanted his people that he wanted us to know the scriptures. Why? That's what the that's what our love is based in the knowledge of God. Well, the the thing is, is
0: what's decisive is when you have heretic doctrine. Yeah.
1: And, and we learn
0: about that in Galatians. You know, that's one of the ones he says, uh, who have bewitched you? You know what I mean? Yeah, you yes. foolish Galatians. You know I just preached this to you. You know I just basically taught this to you. Are you kidding me right now?
1: Yes.
0: And that's why I said <laughs> if even an angel came to you and preached something different, and and he said woe unto them, woe unto them. You know when Paul says woe unto you, you're really on real treacherous area. I mean, it, it's not going to be good for you. You know, Paul doesn't yeah. usually say that. When he used that word, woe, that ought to let you know. I mean, you ought to stomp your feet because that's some serious uh, warning, if you will. I mean, he's exerting, but he's exerting because he cares so much about their souls.
1: This is a soul uh, issue. Yes. And so, then the final couple of verses, uh, passages I wanted just to touch on real quick was mm-hmm. sec- Second John verses 1 through Mm 3, and to me, these are um, probably the the nail-in-the-coffin verses, if you will, um, against people that say, well, you know, speaking doctrine and theology, it's divisive, and it's unloving, and we really don't want to do that, really? Well, let's see what John the Apostle says.
0: We're going to take a call right now, and then we're going to get right to the Scripture, okay, man of God? So hold on with me. Hello, you Save the Lost at All Costs, and God bless you. Hello? Can you hear me? You got to turn your phone down. Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, it's Sister Nina, Save the Lost at All Costs.
4: Thank you, ma'am. I'm so sorry. Something's going on with my phone. Uh, This is Yolanda, and I was at a Bible study Friday, and they were talking about what you're teaching today. And my question at the Bible study, it was the woman's Bible study, was that, uh, they talk about false doctrines and they mention, uh, Jehovah's Witness and, uh, the other one. I forget. And, uh, and then when I asked, well, what about Catholic, uh, like Mary, uh, like praying to Mary? And everybody said, we don't want to talk about that. So they didn't want to talk about it. And they just don't think that it's false doctrine. What do you think?
0: Well, the thing is, is that God is our creator. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So if we want God to move in our lives, then that's who you pray to. If you pray to something else, then you're going to get what you're going to get. God is full of promises and it's based on Genesis to Revelation. He's true to what he says he's going to do. If he said it, he's going to do it. Uh, In reference to Mary, I don't know what Mary is promising. I don't know what Mary can do. You know, I know that our Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for all our sins, those that you committed in the past, those that you know about and even those that you don't know about. I know that he's offering us salvation through forgiveness, through repentance, you know, that we can walk right and that we can have a relationship with him that never ends. It can be eternal. I know that he's coming back for his church, which are his children, his believers. Those that follow him, that keep his word. So that's what I'm willing to stand on. Brother yes, Tim. Ma'am.
4: Yes, ma'am. And I was wondering why if they're believers, why do they think different? Why do they think that it's okay for for them to pray to Mary? Brother, these are Christian women and I could not I just wanted to get up from there and leave because bro, I brother just, Tim which way you do.
0: Would you get in there, brother Tim?
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: well, First of all, uh, Roman Catholicism um, is not Christianity. Um, They have a salvation by works. Um, They do not have a salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's based on meritorious works. Um, They have an exalted view of Mary to the point of idolatry, where they pray to Mary. They teach that Mary intercedes in their prayers, which is heresy. And blasphemy, Mary does not intercede for anyone's prayers. Jesus said he is the mediator between God and man. Um, how do people come up with that? Well, let's just go back to the origi- to the creator of all false doctrine, which is Satan, the, the father of lies. Um, everything that is contrary to Scripture is not true. So there's either God's truth, and then there's nothing else.
0: And so, then, then you have to look it- at the
1: Roman Catholic Church, too. What do they call...
0: Uh, the head of the Roman Catholic Church, the Holy Father or the Holy Seer. There's yes. only one Holy Father. There's only one, the most high God in all creation. So you have to understand that when you look at it, it has some parallels. There's some words that they use that are similar, but don't have the same meaning. So the thing is, is that once you come into the full knowledge of Christ, Sister Yolanda, you will know what you know.
4: And that's and exactly too, what I was also, thinking. Just the way you teach, Sister Nina, because I always gave you an A plus. That's from me, personal. Well, I, I, appreci- always,
0: I appreciate uh, it. I, I, I aim to. I aim to. Brother Tim, you yes, had a,
4: a well, comment. I, well, yeah.
1: Well, also too, um, they, you know, the Catholic Church is full of all types of erroneous teachings. For some more that popped in my mind is the fact that they forbid the priest to get married. Um, Paul says in Timothy that. That's a doctrine of demons, forbidding people to get married. God has ordained marriage. So if you have something in your faith that forbids men to get married, that's that's a faulty teaching. It's contrary to Scripture. Also, they believe that when they take communion, it is the literal body of Christ, the literal blood of Christ. Um, and, and it goes on and on and on. Just so, And then, of course, infant baptism, which is unscriptural. Uh, they believe in purgatory. Which is unscriptural. There's nothing in the Bible that talks about purgatory, you know, a place where you know you're not too good to get to heaven, but not too bad to go to hell, so you go there to get purged, quote unquote. It's, it's, remedi- it's remedial heaven. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, that I mean, it just is. There's a lot of just faulty. Ta- ta- time in the, in the out. In time right out. Heaven.
0: heaven. Uh, Sister Yolanda, yeah. we got a couple thank more scriptures to you, read. You. We love you, and you brought up thank an excellent you. I love topic. I
4: Minister Nina. I love you so much. Thank you very
0: much. Thank you. Thank
4: you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: All right, Brother Tim, you told me Second John verses 1, 2, 3. Uh, we're down to the last four minutes. So I yeah. also want you to get to John 3 if you can, please.
1: Okay. So I was just going to set this up by saying that these verses just counter people that say, well, we don't want to really talk about doctrine and theology because they're divisive and they're unloving. Well, here's what John says. In 2 John 1 to 3, he says, the elder to the chosen lady and her children, who I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth for the sake of the truth, which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace and mercy and peace will be with us from the God and Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. So here's the point there. John's love for the lady and her children was centered in the truth it was the basis for their love. Truth united them, not divided them. John says that not only was his love for the lady rooted in truth, but also all who know the truth as well, and it was for the sake of the truth. Grace, mercy, and peace is with us. How? How is that? What John says, through truth and love. So truth, doctrine, and theology is not divided. unites and is essential to the unity of a church, not a hindrance. His his relationship with that lady was based on the knowledge of the truth, Bible doctrine, Bible theology, Bible teachings, and the word about God. Amen. And then the last one, 3 John 1 to 4 and verse 8. Again, he basically says the same thing. He says, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that in all aspects you may prosper and be in being good health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came And testify to your truth. I have no greater joy than this than to hear of my children walking in truth. Therefore, we ought to support such men, so that we may fellow be fellow workers with the truth. So, John's love for Gaius was based in the truth. It's what brought them together and was their reason for fellowship. John was glad when others told him of Gaius' truth. He was joyful to hear that his children was walking in truth. He commanded us to support men who work in the truth. Truth brings gladness and joy, not division. Praise God. So pastors that want to say, well, we got to get away from doctrine. It's divisive. we got to get away from teaching theology, because after all, we really can't know the deep things of God, so why even talk about it? That is totally against Scripture.
0: But they want to advertise that they're a church and they're name dropping and they want people to think that that's a church that God ordained. So, you know, we've given them the information, Brother Tim. We spelled it out over two weeks. You know, I pray that they will listen because I will archive this show as well. Listen to part one. Listen to part two. Uh, make sure that your pastor hears it. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And for us to get more clarity. Because Jesus is coming back and we all have to give an account for what we do. We love you, Brother Tim. We hope you come back. And we want to say to everyone out there, save the loss at all costs. Be at your post. God bless.